Welcome back to the Mindful Hunter podcast. I'm your host as always, Jay Nickel. As usual, if you could take a moment to engage with the podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. Leave a like, comment, share the podcast, subscribe. It's all greatly appreciated. And if you want to support the podcast directly, head over to mindfulhunter.com slash shop, pick up a hat or a t-shirt, and those funds help directly support everything I'm trying to do here at Mindful Hunter. This week, we're going to get into my 2022 hunt plans, and I'm going to get into detail with why I decided to cancel my goat hunt this year. But before we get into any of that, we're going to do the typical kind of weight training update. And this is kind of exciting because this is my first week into prep and uh, things are starting to shift a little bit. And it's the first time in a very long time when I've been doing anything other than bulking. So it's kind of exciting to kind of have a new program, be thinking about things a bit differently and have a goal that's actually in sight instead of this you know, thing that's years out and head out ahead of you, which is, can be tough to stay motivated for. Okay. So weight currently 265 pounds. I'm down five or six pounds from my peak at 271. A lot of that is just, you know, some excess water weight and switching up the diet a little bit. I don't, I don't really think I've had any serious composition changes lately. Because of a couple of issues, I didn't start my diet perfectly until this Monday, and I'm recording this on Thursday. So I'm on day four of a perfect diet. And when I say a perfect diet, I mean it. Like not not one single calorie that comes off plan. Every day, eat like a robot. And what I will do is uh, in a minute or two in the diet section is I'll, I'll read my entire diet out and... Uh, that way, for those of you who are curious, you'll know kind of exactly what it looks like. And I may even potentially do a um, like full day of eating at some point in the prep, maybe later on when it's like a little more, a little more interesting because it's a little more severe, but I will do something like that. Okay, before we dive into the diet, let's talk training. Now, as most of you know, the gyms here in British Columbia have been shut down. So I'm kind of doing what I can to slap together, you know, kind of beg, borrow, and steal access to whatever I can to kind of put together a bit of a a training program. And essentially, I'm able to get myself into a gym about three times a week between a couple of, you know, private facilities that I have access to and some other stuff that I got going on that I'm not going to call out obviously on a podcast, but some people are good enough to let me use some stuff. Um, and some of it requires extensive driving. Let's just say that they're, you know, two to three times a week where I train, I'm, I'm driving three hours round trip to get there. Plus the hour and a half workout is four and a half hours out of my day just to train. But apparently this is supposed to let up you know, near the end of January, January 18th. I don't know if I believe the sons of bitches who are actually in charge. I'm actually disgusted with essentially the entire Canadian and British Columbia government at this point. I'm embarrassed uh, by the decisions that they've made and how we're conducting ourselves as a country, given the science that has, you know, come to light in the last few months about what we're really facing and what, you know, appropriate methods we have at our disposal are to deal with it. But I, I will 
I will save the political diatribe for now and just say, it is what it is. Gyms are closed. Now, the reason I bring that up is that because I can only train three times a week, what I've done is kind of taken a five-day routine and squished it down into a three-day routine. So I'm, I'm splitting up shoulders, putting them together with um, chest and back, and then taking arms and putting them with legs. So the workouts are longer, but they're spaced further apart, so I have more time for recovery. So the ultimate goal is still to hit each body part one time per week, but um, it gets hit a little bit differently is all, really. I do more on, on one day. It's not quite as optimal, in my opinion. I would rather five, five days a week, but I mean, I'm not going to drive three hours round trip five days a week, so it's just not going to happen. Um, okay. Uh, let's get into the diet. I'm just going to open up my program here and I'll just read it out to you. So I have two different days. I have a training day diet and an off day diet. So for training day diet, meal one, five ounces bear, three whole eggs, 50 grams cream of rice, 150 grams raspberry. Meal two, eight ounce chicken breast, 300 grams white rice. Meal three, eight ounce chicken breast, two bagels, one tablespoon of jam, uh, 80 grams avocado. And that is my pre-workout meal. So I try and eat that about 90 minutes before I train. Meal four, eight ounces of deer or bear, eight ounces red potato, 60 gram green beans. Meal five, 300 grams egg white, two whole eggs, 100 gram asparagus. I think it's really cool that because my coach knows I'm a hunter, he's worked in wild game because he knows I have a freezer full of it. Um, and it, it, which is super cool. I don't know a lot of other people that would do that. So here's my, oh, my off day, which is less food. So essentially because you have a lower caloric output, you need a lower caloric input. And we're, we're on the way down here. The point is to do a slight recomp and lose some body fat before we kick into like the full hardcore prep. So meal one, four ounces lean steak, two whole eggs, 50 grams cream of rice, 120 grams banana. Meal two, six ounce chicken breast, 150 grams white rice. Meal three, six ounce chicken breast, 150 grams white rice. Meal four, six ounce steak, five ounce potato, 50 gram green beans. Meal five, 300 grams eggs, egg whites, two whole eggs, 100 gram asparagus. And now in addition to that, I have a 50 gram whey isolate shake every day. On days I train, I have it after I train with 80 grams of carbs and a banana. And on days I don't train, I just have the isolate with 20 grams of peanut butter. And so that's it. I get one cheat meal per week that has to be like a moderate cheat meal. I'm not supposed to go like you know, eat a whole pizza or anything crazy like that, but I can have whatever I want um, off diet for my second last meal of the day on either Friday or Saturday night. And uh, he also says nothing high in sugar or fried. But I mean, I'm not sure if French fries counts. I think he means like a bucket of fried chicken. I'm actually going to check in about that with him. Um, yeah, so that's it. And then I'm supposed to do cardio 20 minutes, three times per week, get my heart rate up to 130 beats per minute. So that's it. 
Now you will notice as this process, I'm going to be aiming for the Van Isle showdown, which is on Vancouver Island in Victoria in, um, I think it's on May 7th. So I have about 17 weeks to get ready. So kind of the first two weeks are just to kind of clean things up, get everything reset, and then we'll do like a 16 week prep. Okay, so that's where we're at with the physical side of things. I will keep you guys updated. And what you will notice is that as this prep continues, you will see the amount of activity I do go up, primarily through the use of adding more minutes of cardio and the amount of calories I consume go down. Um, now, how far those have to go down and how high the cardio has to go up is really something that my coach is going to decide. What uh, So far, I'm supposed to do check-ins every 10 days. So I will send a series of pictures along with a written qualitative update. Uh, and then based on those pictures and the update, he will adjust my calories and meal plan and supplements and all that other kind of stuff as, as is required. Uh, all right, that out of the way, let's get into the hunt plans for 2022. And because this was in the title, this is probably what everybody is most curious about. I am canceling my goat hunt for 2022. Um, I thought long and hard about this and I'm not going to lie. Reading Matt Ranella's article had an impact on my thought process about this. And I'm going to share exactly what I mean by that. So I had a bunch of things like conflicting obligations that kept creeping up that I was trying to figure out a solution to get around. But I'm sure you guys will know what I'm talking about. You ever try to force something and you just get that feeling that I'm trying to force this right now and it's just not supposed to happen? That's basically where I was at with the goat hunt. So I've been preparing for three years to do this bodybuilding show. Just, uh, you know, that's in addition to, you know, I've been I was talking to somebody the other day and I've been training since I was 22 years old. I'm now 43 years old. So I've been lifting weights for 21 years, obviously off and on. There's some, there's some breaks in there, some for a couple months, some for longer, but I've been, you know, pretty seriously lifting for 21 years. And for the last three years, there's been zero breaks. There's been zero, you know, release of pressure, like I have been solely focused on getting my body big enough that I would be able to go through a prep and still have enough lean tissue afterwards to not embarrass myself in a pair of underwear on a stage in front of a bunch of people, which I understand sounds like a completely asinine goal to have in the first place, but whatever, it is what it is. It's something I've wanted to do since I was in my 20s. And I need at least 16 weeks in order to get ready for a show. And I need to enter into that 16 weeks with kind of as much mass as I can and in as good a shape as I can. And so I was going through Christmas holidays and I'm looking at the scale and I'm like, I'm 271 pounds. And one of the first things that I thought is like, I cannot do this goat hunt at 271 pounds. I was 250 something last year and it was, it was excruciating. It was brutal. It was dumb. I, I broke snowshoes. I, yeah, almost injured myself multiple times. Like you're just not, you shouldn't be that big. And I think being overweight is one thing, but walking around 
with this much muscle mass is a completely different thing. Like you can tear things off joints falling the wrong way. Like it's just not good. So I was trying to figure out, cause there's kind of two show dates that I could do and they're about eight weeks apart. And I was trying to figure out like how much weight could I lose before the goat hunt? And then would I be able to put it back on? And I was like playing all these games with dates. And the bottom line was there was no good answer. I was going to be, I was going to have to sacrifice my performance at the show in order to be able to go on the hunt. And even if I went on the hunt, it would st still be far from optimal because going on a crash diet to lose 20 pounds before the goat hunt, which would still have me at 250 is also not going to put me in an optimal place to hit a hunt. Like I hate the idea of these kind of crash diets before hunts. I would rather somebody get stronger before a hunt and weigh a little bit more. Okay, so there's there's point one. I'm too big and there's not really an acceptable compromise between the bodybuilding show and my cardiovascular capacity for the hunt that doesn't severely injure, you know, one or both of those goals or or put it at risk of failing. Number two. I had a torn MCL, a partially torn MCL before I went on the mule deer hunt. You know, we hiked well over hundred kilometers. It was a 26 kilometer hike out on the last day. And we had a deer on our back for the last 10 kilometers of that. And I essentially, you know, did some further damage to that MCL and I haven't been able to train legs since I got home from that mule deer hunt. So over two months now, and I've been doing rehab with a physio and all the rest. And I would say my knee is at about 70%. But when I was being honest with myself about the type of, you know, output I was going to be asking for my knees on this hunt. I don't know how many of you ever walked through really deep, uneven terrain, um, in snowshoes, but the opportunity to like cork and twist and torque your knees is pretty high. Um, and I was just having these nightmares about getting all the way back in there and blowing out a knee and then, you know, trying to figure out some way to get out. Like it's no joke back in there. So there's point two. Point three, both my wife and my business partner have been very tolerant with my kind of absenteeism in, in 2021. I went on five hunts this year. I was gone for multiple weeks. Um, you know, over months, actually, if you add it all up over the course of the year and they were good about it, but I also knew they were both kind of reaching the end of their lines. Like I have certain obligations in a business sense and in a family sense that I'm not going to say I was failing to achieve, but let's just say I, I wasn't putting as much energy into them as both of those individuals would have liked. And they likely have a right to deserve. And so I'm putting all these three things together. And then another issue is like last year, a big question mark on this hunt or a big challenge that I set for myself was just being able to get back in there for a week and make it and not come out early. Like it's a pretty brutal hunt. And so just being able to go in there for a week solo not have anything catastrophic occur and come out on my own terms a week later, that in itself was a win um, because it's such a brutal hunt. And the, to tell the truth, I, 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 that's not a question I need to answer for myself anymore. I know I'm capable of that. I don't want to go back in there unless I know I have the greatest likelihood of killing a goat as is possible. And after going there last year, and recognizing 
the state that I was in and all those issues that I just brought up, when I really sat down and was honest with myself, I'm not ready for this hunt in the way that I need to be. And that's got to be okay. It was funny. I was telling a, a friend of mine about this. And they're like, well, that's kind of why it's called mindful hunter, dude. Like you're taking a mindful approach. And sometimes that's going to mean that the answer needs to be no, or that you're not ready for something. And I, I thought to myself, also, this is kind of where Renella's article comes in. So I, I disagree with the vast majority of what Matt had to say, but when he was talking about doing things just for the sake of social media or content creation, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've, I've done that. Like, and I felt like that's what this would have been. And I've never like faked killing an animal or done something like atrocious, but there's been not even hunts necessarily, but there have been times when if I didn't have a YouTube channel and if I didn't have an Instagram that I was trying to grow, I may have made, you know, different decisions like, you know, not, not necessarily not done a hunt, but, um, maybe not taking an animal, you know, that's the one thing I'm trying to work on this year, um, is, you know, like my bear hunt, if I get a chance to do a bear hunt in the spring, I have pretty high standards. You know, last year I shot bears with a rifle. I'm not going to say I did that for Instagram. I really wanted the meat, but I don't really get any personal satisfaction out of killing a bear with a rifle. You know, I want to kill a bear with a bow and there's a certain size bear and a certain maturity bear that is kind of my standard for this year. And I'm not going to shoot anything less than that. And if that means coming home empty handed, it means coming home empty handed. And if I'm perfectly honest with myself, I got three days into the hunt last year with the bow and it wasn't come together. And I, and I took out the rifle. And I mean, part of that was, uh, you know, it was going to make a better film for YouTube. And I knew I was going to have the pictures for Instagram. I'm not going to say that's the only reason I did it, but is there five to 10% of that in there? Fuck yeah, man. I'm not going to lie. That's, that's, that's part of it. And I don't, I don't like that. I don't want to make decisions like that moving forward. And I, I appreciate kind of him calling out that kind of darker element of ourselves. I think we need to address that from time to time. And I was thinking about this hunt and I kind of have a content calendar for the year that like the, 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 the pinnacle moments are these normally four hunts equally spaced throughout the year that kind of tie together the mindful hunter content creation. And then I've got stuff to talk about as far as gear. I've got people to interview as far as different species. Like it kind of just, it really nicely builds out a content calendar very organically. And I started thinking about not doing this hunt and how that was going to screw everything up. And then I started thinking about Renella's article and I'm like, this is bullshit, man. Like I'm not going to do a hunt just so I can have something on the calendar in order to create content. Like that is not a decision made in integrity as far as I'm concerned. So anyways, so I put all this stuff together, the physical characteristics, the expectations and obligations in family and business, you know, my own mind frame, and then the prep. And then also the last piece of this is that I want to do a sheep hunt for the first two weeks of August, which I'll get into in much more detail in a moment. But that was the other complication that is, as, 
if I pushed back the bodybuilding show so close to the sheep hunt, I wasn't going to have time to physically prepare myself for the sheep hunt. So then I was going to be in a situation where I was going into a goat hunt half-cocked, a bodybuilding show half-cocked, and a sheep hunt half-cocked. And I was like, I'm basically going to do three things shitty instead of two things really well. So put all that stuff together and I'm not doing the goat hunt. And I feel so good about the decision. I have, you know, bailed on hunts before because of work reasons or family reasons or, or other reasons. And it really always rubbed me raw. Like it was just like acid in the back of my throat. Like I would regret it. And I would, you know, be thinking about it all the way up to the hunt. And then during the week I was supposed to be away. It would be in the back of my mind. And, and, and you know, it's just life happens. And sometimes you don't have the luxury of doing everything you want to do. But when it can't, when it comes to this hunt, I feel super confident that I've made the right decision. At the end of the day, I could do three things half-ass or two things at 100%. And I decided to do the two things at 100%. And when I put those three things out there in front of me, the goat hunt, the bodybuilding show, and the sheep hunt, the goat hunt was the least important of the three. And it was also the one that was going to most dramatically put the other two at risk. So I'm not doing the sheep hunt. Um, the one thing that I'm a little disappointed about is that I, I made some really cool gear adjustments for this year as far as my sleep system and my shelter system. And like I found some very intriguing ultralight solutions to some of the problems that I had last year. And I was very excited to get out in the field and kind of try those things out. And now that, you know, that's not really an option. That's a little disappointing. What I might try and do is maybe just a single overnight winter camp. And that would at least allow me to test my new sleep system that I've put together. So I would feel comfortable going into next year with a, with a sound system. So maybe that's, maybe that's something I will do. We'll see. But anyways, with that out of the way, goat hut is canceled. So now what does the rest of the year look like? So I am going to be constructing my calendar around two main hunts. And the scheduling of these two hunts does pose somewhat of a complication. So I will be doing a two-week solo sheep hunt the first two weeks of August. And I will be doing a two-week fly-in caribou hunt with my father and my brother kind of the middle two weeks of September. And that's going to basically give me three weeks, three to four weeks between those two hunts. And for the married guys in the crowd, that is potentially like the most important element to remember or to take into account when planning a hunt calendar. I've made this mistake before. My wife doesn't really care if I do two hunts in the fall or even three if I can find a way to space them out, well, two is probably it. If I can find a way to space them out to be as minimally disturbing as possible, like keeping two months between the hunts would be ideal. Because I did, I did this before back in 17 where I kind of did two elk hunts back to back. I came home for two, three weeks in between. And it was really tough because um, she's watching the kids for two weeks by herself. And then I come home for a couple weeks. 
And then she's watching the kid solo again for another two weeks and she's barely recovered from the first round. Now, there were a couple of elements that kind of played into this. My stepmother got in touch with me and, and wanted me to figure out a way to take my old man hunting. I'd been trying to wrap my head around how to take the old man hunting for the last couple of years. He's really had his heart set on elk hunting, but he's 66. He's in decent enough shape, but it's not like we're running up mountains all day. And I don't really have that many great elk spots. And so basically I just kept like running in circles, trying to think of like a good way to get him in on elk. And I couldn't, and then she hit me up. And then I started thinking, you know, flying caribou would be pretty rad. Like it gets us a lot closer, gets us into a more target rich environment. It's not, it's not an elk, but it's still like pretty exotic for a guy from Ontario to fly out into Northern British Columbia in a float plane and go caribou hunting. Like that's a pretty badass trip. So because, you know, he's older and he might not have that many backcountry hunts left, I just said to my wife, like, here's the deal. The sheep hunt is kind of a non-negotiable for me. It's really important. It's kind of my, my next major goal as a, my, you know, my own personal goal as a hunter. And it's what I want to focus my energy on. So it's, it's happening. Are you okay if I do this hunt with my dad? And, and she was cool. She's like, okay, let's just look at some dates. And I'd originally thought the first two weeks in order of September to hit the peak of the caribou rut. And then when we actually looked at the calendar, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be doing the same old, same old, like back-to-back hunts. And that's, that's not ideal. So we pushed it back a couple of weeks and we'll actually hit some of the moose rut up there as well. So, um, that's, that's super intriguing to me and it'll give us a couple more opportunities as well. So that's kind of how that all played out. And I'll, I'll go into more details about these two hunts, but just as if we're going to talk like 10,000 foot view. So we have those two main pinnacle hunts. Now, spring bear is something I do every year. And depending on how the show goes, like if I do the bodybuilding show and I'm happy with my result and I don't want to do any more shows and I just want to call it like a one and done, cross it off the bucket list and move on, I will most likely do a spring bear hunt because I'll be done with the bodybuilding show May 7th. I typically go end of May, early June for my bear hunt. Um, I'll have lots of time to get ready and I can be out of town for a week. So if that happens, I'll do it. But there's also a couple other shows after that other May show that if, you know, let's say I'm not happy with the way that we peaked or let's say I did really well. And I think, you know, I might actually want to compete a few times while I'm still in shape. I may stay in prep and do another show the first week of July. And if I do that, I probably won't want to go away or at least realistically shouldn't go away for um, a week in the middle of a prep that close to a show. So, and spring bear is a hunt that I love. I love watching the bears. I love bear meat. I love the hunt, you know, where I go is, you know, spots I really like. Anyways, I like it, but it's also not like a pinnacle hunt for me. It's not something where I feel deeply challenged and requires a lot of prep. Like, and those are the hunts that I get really super excited about. So 
if I, if I don't get to go bear hunting, it's okay. And who knows, maybe I just do a couple one dayers up to, you know, Squamish or Hope or something like that. And just drive around some logging roads, looking for a bear, just to, just to get out of the house and get in the woods. That that's the way I used to do it before I started going up North. So who knows? So I would say there's like a 75% chance I will do a spring bear hunt. If I do it, it will be very similar to my previous year's spring bear hunts where I'll kind of head up to the Prince George region and spend a week and only take my bow this time. I'm, I'm not really interested. It, where I go to hunt bears is kind of like a combination of private land and public land and you're hunting like river bottoms and ag fields and stuff like that. And in that type of hunt, I want the challenge of using my bow. I've also thought about putting together a a backcountry bear hunt. There's some terrain in that same area that would be very challenging to get up and into and would provide a really cool hunting experience. And that I would be okay taking a rifle on. For me, there's a bit of a sliding scale when it comes to hunts. Like I, I don't, I'm not necessarily a purist in any regard. It doesn't have to be backcountry, doesn't have to be public land, doesn't have to be archery, but there needs to be some element there that I find really challenging. And so if the terrain's not particularly challenging and finding the game isn't particularly challenging, then I think your weapon of choice needs to introduce some challenging, some challenge. But if the terrain and finding game is super challenging, then I'm okay with using a rifle because I'm still, you know, testing myself. I'm, I have a long way to go as a hunter and um, I, I still find those hunts, you know, very challenging and, and rewarding. I think I feel, I feel very similar about deer. You know, I think you could have an equally challenging hunt with a bow and a rifle for deer. It just depends where you go and how you, you go about doing it. So that's the bear hunt. chance it's on. The sheep hunt, two weeks solo. Now, this is very interesting because a lot of you who watched my sheep video are going to be last year and be like, well, you talked about how rewarding it was to hunt with other people and all this. And and, And you're right. And I still agree with that. But also, it's very important to me for my own personal development as a human being and as a man that I do one big solo hunt per year. It's a completely different experience psychologically. Um, and and I, I, that was going to be my goat hunt because nobody really wants to come do that with me anyways. And then I probably would have looked for a sheep hunting partner. But because I canceled the goat hunt, the sheep hunt is really the only other hunt that's going to provide that opportunity to be a really cool solo backcountry experience. So I'm not going to get into the specifics at this point, but my general plan, I've applied for some of the early units. If, and I've applied for some of the harder to draw tags in the early units. Um, Those results normally come out like the end of February. If I pull one of those, then that will be my hunt. And I'll start doing some kind of prep content around that and talk you know, in general, where I'm going to be going and how I plan to prepare and travel and all that kind of stuff. And if I don't get one of those, I'm leaning towards doing the the bow only area for sheep for a couple of different reasons. I'd say I'm about 85% set on that, not 100%. Um, and as always, if, you know, any of you guys got any feedback or, or, 
um, thoughts or input on that, I'm always happy to hear it. But that's the general plan. If I can get one of the more remote, cooler areas, great. If not, probably do the bow zone. Even though there's higher pressure in there, I still think it's a hunt that I would find, you know, super rewarding. So I'm a little disillusioned with the, you know, you could pay four grand to get a flight into some remote lake and be dropped off right on top of other dudes anyways. So it's not like picking some other location that's in one of the open rifle units and then paying a bunch of money to get in there is actually going to provide any additional benefit anyways. Um, and you could walk in, but again, high likelihood of pressure when you're, when you're walking in and there's not, you know, archery hunting is not as big in British Columbia as rifle hunting. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good archer. Um, and I'm so, so, if, you know, use what you can to kind of rule out other people. And I think maybe, maybe using my bow instead of a rifle would at least, you know, put me up against less of the province as far as people who are hunting sheep. And I mean, taking a ram with a bow, that's pretty gangster. Uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the pinnacle of hunting as far as I'm concerned. There's a couple other hunts that I think are right up there with that, but there are very few things other than that, that I think, you know, would be as rewarding. So there's the plan for sheep hunt as the draws unfold. And as that comes out, I will, I will let you know. And I should, I just remembered too, to talk about, well, I'll talk about that at the end. Up next, a caribou moose goat fly in. So again, I'm not going to get super specific about areas, but we will drive up to Deese. I've already got the plane booked. I've got the lake picked and we'll go up there for two weeks in September. We will most likely do a teepee stove combo. Um, and then I think Lander's going to lend me his little inflatable boat. This will be primarily a rifle hunt, but I'm also going to bring my bow. So my dad has been a hunter for years. His big thing is moose hunting. Um, it's in Ontario. Tags are hard to draw. He hasn't been in probably 10 years, uh, but probably has 20, 25 years of moose hunting experience behind him. So he understands hunting. He's a good hunter. He's just not a Western hunter, but he's been out here with me hunting uh, elk before. We went up the Musqueam in a jet boat and had a blast. Didn't kill anything, but it was a trip of a lifetime as far as he was concerned. Um, and, and I'm also going to be bringing my brother. And my brother is a complete rookie. He's never hunted anything in his life. Probably shot a gun a handful of times. He's going to have to do his core. He's going to have to do his uh, um, pal, all of it. So um, this is a very interesting challenge for me because I'm going to be taking two guys who aren't really experienced Western hunters. Now the caveat here is, and the reason I feel so comfortable doing this is like I said, my dad's had 25 years of, of hunting experience. So he gets it. He can be in the woods by himself. He knows how to get around. He's not an idiot. 
And my brother planted trees with me for years. So he's lived in remote bush locations with me. He understands how to walk around mountains. He's a very smart guy. Um, so they, they're both bringing things to the table that make me feel comfortable taking two kind of lesser experienced guys with me. And so the goal will be to take two rifles and a bow. I don't think with three guys, we need any more than two rifles. And I'm going to get into this more on a later podcast, but I think I'm going to build another Tika um, 300 Win Mag. I just love that caliber. And they have this kind of new version with, uh, it's, it's, it's a super light that comes with a muzzle brake and a Cerakoted barrel and a bunch of other stuff. And I think I might build a second rifle and put my loophole scope on that one um, because it would be a lighter it would be a lighter rig anyways. And then I can take the two, you know, the argument being why would you own two 300 wind mags? But um, I just really like that caliber. To me, it's an all purpose, do whatever you want. Plus the uh, 200 grain ELDXs. I'm trying to remember how many animals I've taken with that rifle now. It's three or four. And every single animal it's touched has dropped in its tracks, literally. Like the definition of didn't go 20. And um, I do, I, there's something to be said about confidence. So I have to do a bunch of really interesting kind of prep for this hunt. I have to build a new rifle. I got to get these outfit guys outfitted with boots. I got to figure out what they're going to wear for camo. So there's going to be a lot of really cool content as we kind of get these guys ready, it'll probably be very beneficial for some of the newer people in the crowd. Um, but I'm probably even more excited for this one than my sheep hunt. Like just getting to spend two weeks in the bush with my old man and my brother. It's something we've never actually done before. I've hunted with my old man, both in Ontario and here, but my brother never has. Um, and he definitely has never hunted with me out here. So th this will be the first time that all three of us will be going on a hunting trip together. So I'm, I'm super pumped and I'm really going to, you know, go overboard on, on the film for this one. Like I want this to be, cause this is my family. This is something we can hang on to for years. Like I want this to be something special. So super excited about that. So that then leaves the rest of the fall. And I'm currently, I, I basically have a plan for how I'm going to approach it, but it looks, it, it, it's, it's two potential options. So all the state's draws are starting to open up now. Basically between now and April, most of the Western states will, will have their draw periods open. I can't really apply for much because most of the cool hunts are in the August, September, October uh, window. And I have already, you know, um, between the sheep hunt and the caribou hunt, I'm, I'm booked up. However, I can probably do like a, an early November deer hunt. So part of me wants to see what I can draw for a cool late season deer tag. There's a couple of States that provide some options. And then if I don't pull a tag, I think I'm going to go on a guided whitetail hunt again. Um, and probably to a slightly better area. I mean, I had a good time and they were really good folks. Um, but the fact of the matter is I sat in a stand for three straight days and I didn't see one buck. 
um, and the bucks that other people were seeing and the bucks that were on camera were like pretty marginal. Like they were okay, but they were not, you know, like, like what they were like, like 120, 130 bucks, like pretty small bucks. Um, and if I'm going to go on a guided whitetail hunt, I want a chance to shoot a really nice animal. Um, and I'm thinking maybe Saskatchewan even. There's some pretty good deals to be had over there. I've never hunted Saskatchewan. I kind of like this like late season cold tree stand sitting. I don't know. It's a different challenge and something I'm super looking looking forward to. So that kind of late November, uh, late October, early November window will either be filled by a deer hunt south of the border or, I mean, even a whitetail hunt in Idaho. They have some very interesting uh, white to guided whitetail hunts down there, and it's not that far away. That might be a cool option too. So maybe I'll start looking into that. Um, and any whitetail guys, like if you're listening, I don't know shit about whitetail hunting. So if you think that, you know, you got some advice or like some guides that you use before, some areas where you've had success that you think are worth looking into, like I'm all ears. Um, I really like, and it would be archery as well. If I'm doing a stand hunt, I have no desire to have a rifle in my hand whatsoever. It would be archery only. So probably fill that last hunt of the year with, uh, um, an archery stand whitetail hunt or a mule deer hunt south of the border, which would probably be more spot and stock rifle type action. So that's the general plan for the year. I'm excited. I think there's a lot of cool hunt options on the table. I think going in solo for sheep for my first time is going to be a big challenge that I'm pretty stoked on. And, you know, the family thing is a really big deal to me. So I'm glad I'm going to have like the two opposite ends of the spectrum, have some cool fellowship, but then also have this kind of remote solo experience that I, that I enjoy. Um, so there we go. If anybody has any questions about any of those hunts, feel free to get in touch. Um, if you need anything else, just let me know, jay at mindfulhunter.com, DM me on IG, mindful underscore hunter. Uh, take a moment. I noticed last episode, some of you took the time to leave some reviews on iTunes. That's really greatly appreciated. Any way that you can help kind of claw the podcast further up the ranks is always, you know, super appreciated. Um, I hope everything's going well. I hope everybody had a great holiday season. I hope you're pumped on some goals for 2022. I hope everybody has some great hunts lined up. And as always, thanks for tuning in.